This is ESPN New Hampshire, WGAM, Manchester, WGHM, Nashua. Yeah, I've had I got a lot of people out there waiting for me, so it's a um, it was very cool. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. So to have you know first chance to ever do that was was uh, very special. So I felt it in pregame warm up, and I uh, carried right to the last play of the game. So it was pretty pretty great. I mean, they got a great organization. They always have, and um, you know they inspired a lot of kids here in the Bay Area. You know, my time growing up, and I was one of them. So to see Tom Rathman for the game, I mean, I idolized him. And, uh, you know, Dwight Clark and Joe Montana and to see Steve Young at halftime, and it's a pretty, pretty great day for me. And welcome back to the Stretch Run here on ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy, Justin Sullivan, working the boards, doing a great job as always. And we spoke to him on Friday. He was in San Francisco. He was... Uh, a lot of people trying to get out of Alcatraz. He was trying to get into it. Uh, and he's joining us now. It's a great three-part series on Tom Brady for the Lawrence Eagle Tribune. Urge you to check it out. Bill Burt, how are you, my friend? Hey, thanks. Uh, I'm a little tired. I did get some sleep. I had the red eye last night. Mike Brady, ESPN <laughs> Boston. Uh, we were on the plane together. Oh, cool. And and uh, get in about 7.15 this morning. Got in my bed around nine. Slept for about four hours. Heard the phone ring about five times. Didn't get up, and then uh, sort of getting back into life here. I, I had a, a honey do list that I'm working on right now. So, as you know, how that is. Yeah, exactly, my friend. That's, a, that, that's somehow how the job goes. But you can't complain. You're out in the beautiful Bay Area. There, you got a little rain yesterday, but uh, let, yeah. tell us how the rest of the story uh, developed and uh, and into the game. Well, it you know the, the story was you know basically in our in the series was Brady goes home, and um, it's you know the emphasis was sort of looking at sort of his life from start to finish, uh, and not finish per se, but start to to also the future, which is Sunday's last piece. Uh, you know that just to get a little insight to who Tom Brady is, I I, I think for the most part we we know him. Uh, you know, I, I knew I knew a lot about him, you know, before I headed out there. But I will say I got a new appreciation for who he was, uh, his family. And, you know, the first day of the series was called Raising a Champion. And I really believe that uh, his family had as big a role as anybody, anything, any coach, uh, for him being who he is, the athlete he is, the intense competitor he is, really a competitor. Very competitive family, and you know, I don't know if I, I, I don't remember exactly what we talked about on Friday, but uh, you know, uh, competition was part of the family, like eating and sleeping. And um, had three sisters ahead of him, all of them college scholarship athletes. His oldest sister, better athlete than he was, quite frankly, uh, went to Fresno State, uh, was a pitcher in softball, 
still holds records. Uh, was national, uh, led the nation in pitching while at uh, Fresno State. So, so a lot going on. I, I went to his high school, reminded me of St. John's Prep, which is where my son went. Catholic all boys, a lot of energy, very good sports. Um, you know, I, it's just like I, I thought I knew him. I sort of did, and now I, I feel like uh, through the, and I hopefully through the series, a lot of people got the same feeling that I did. Uh, now I think I really know what makes this guy tick. For sure, and he must have loved, I mean, it, the Pats fans travel well all the time, but, man, it sounded like Foxborough a lot of, uh, throughout a lot of that game yesterday. No, I disagree. It was better than Foxborough. <laughs> that's awesome. See, I, I'm going to tell you this. This is a, this is a story that's probably going to come out here. I mean, I mean it's, a, it's sort of a developing story. Patriots fans at Gillette Stadium are not uh, Patriots are, fans. Are, are mailing it in. Yeah. And uh, I've said this I've said this for five years. Yeah. They've just accepted uh, it. Like, uh, look, I'm not saying, you know, you go to the game, you get to stand up for, you know, three hours uh, like they do at college basketball. Although they do do that at places like Kansas City and Denver. I'm not saying you have to do that. But the uh, what happens in Foxborough is the fans wait to get excited. And they don't. They're not good. We're not good. And I'm talking about us in general. We're not good at saying, hey, let's lift them up and maybe they'll they'll do better. No. What have you done for me lately? What did you do in the last series? Um, and it's, it, but, but on the road, I will tell you, it happened. I, I saw this in Cleveland. This is where it struck me when I was there for the Brady return game. Mm-hmm. These people, these people come and they're loud. I will say before the game yesterday was, it was, Again, it was. I think it was more than half half Patriots fans there. And by the end, it was raining and it, it stopped raining. All the fans from from the forty, most of the fans left, and it was all Patriots fans. None of them had left, and the place was rocking. It was Brady chance. It's sort of like, you know, I sort of, you sort of get embarrassed when you're at a baseball stadium and you hear Red Sox, Red Sox, you know, poppy, poppy. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's what fans do. They travel really well. They're rapid. Brady before the game came out in the field and, and gave them like these these fist pumps as if he had scored a touchdown. So he was really into the game. So uh, basically, for Brady, uh, it was the perfect homecoming. That's and, awesome. Um, and it it, it it could have ended any better for him. It meant a lot to him. I, I will say that. And I, I I think the underlying reason why it meant a lot as well is you know he really wanted to be a 49er. It was his dream. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, uh, as you saw, he mentioned play, seeing players there. Tom Rathman, you know, was a, a fullback from Nebraska who played for San Francisco and now is a coach there. And I guess he lived in Brady's hometown. And Brady, you know, Brady said, I love the way he spiked the ball, sort of like Gronk, uh, which is pretty funny. I mean, you think of someone like Brady, who's, that, that was why he really, one of the reasons why I really loved the player. So it was, uh, you know, I, it's like a nice bow on a nice week in Brady's bucket list, beating his home team in their home stadium, uh, he can take that off now. That's awesome. That's great stuff. Yeah, I mean, it seemed like a cool environment. You're right about uh, Foxborough. I mean, Pete Carroll pointed it out and got a lot of flack for it, but he's, I thought he was absolutely right when he said that after the Seattle game. But uh, you look. let's look at this game, though, and, and you know – Kind of some negatives there. The defense, I didn't think they were better. But then again, look at the uh, competition they had, and I, I thought they still could have been better than they were. What was your take? Yeah, I, 
Tom Brady made two incredible plays. Now, now if Solder doesn't commit that hold, and mm-hmm. you know, I, maybe that hold helped the run, and Legarrette Blunt doesn't score that forty-something yard ED run. Uh, if the Patriots score that, they're up twenty to three. Game's over. Game is over. Um, and Legarrette Blunt runs for two hundred yards, and they just run the clock out the you know the third or fourth quarter. Uh, but lo and behold, it didn't happen. And then on the next series, they they go down the field um, to San Francisco and score a touchdown. It's thirteen to ten. It was thirteen to ten into the fourth quarter, and uh, very disappointing the fact that um, you know the Patriots I know in the end gave up seventeen points, but that's one of the worst offenses in the NFL, and uh, all really one dimensional. Uh, I'm not a Colin Kaepernick guy uh, on and off the field. I think what he's done is basically probably. He ruined, I believe, his 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 personal issues. I think have quote unquote ruined the um, this season for the 49ers, and I just think they they can't get past it. And so that being said, very poor team. Uh, and I'm not saying they shredded the Patriots defense, but just too many quote unquote big plays when it was still a game. If Brady doesn't make those two great passes, and I'm talking about the one falling down. Spins away and great, thrown away from a sack. Then all of a sudden, I don't know how he saw Amendola, flicks the ball to Amendola, and I and I wrote about it today. It was sort of like a Brett Favre move. And yeah, yeah, good when call. He, the same thing when he threw it to Malcolm Mitchell. Uh, that was, I mean, that was all out of nothing. It was supposed to be a short six-yard route to Mitchell. Mitchell takes off, and Brady throws the ball into like four guys. I don't know how he saw Mitchell streaking there in, in that quick a time. And uh, that's one of the great touchdowns of the year that Malcolm Mitchell passed. So without those, all of a sudden we're talking, is it 19 to 10? It's 16 to yeah. 10? And I don't trust right now this defense to stop anybody. And uh, another uh, malcontent, it seems, uh, within that defense, in the dressing room, um, we don't know what's going on, but uh, the Patriots leave Sherrod back at home and, uh, he's Instagramming from a Celtics game, despite being in a healthy scratch that could not have gone over well with uh, with Belichick and, and the Patriots staff. No, I, I don't know how he's going to handle it. It's uh, it's I I think it's got remnants of what happened with uh, with Collins. Yep, and uh, I I believe those two are close, and so uh, I you know two plus two equals four. Uh, yeah, Belichick was asked about it today. And of course, uh, said nothing except he didn't play. Um, when guys are inactive, we make coaches' decisions based on who we think is, you know, best for the team. Blah blah blah. And uh, so that's probably not going to end pretty. And it's too bad because, and he has not been playing well either. A lot like Collins, who's had a disappointing year literally from the start. Um, and some of this, you know, I, I don't, I don't know per se, 100%, though I do think it was definitely on Collins' behalf was the contract was an issue and uh, with Collins, and it I think it came over to the season, and uh, he knew he wasn't going to get the deal he wanted, and I think that didn't sit over well, and I think there might be some of that with uh, Shear, too. And the he, the hits keep coming uh, for the defense today. I'm not sure if you yeah. saw the news, but Alan, Alan Branch, Branch reportedly suspended yeah. four games for marijuana use. First of all, I think that it's just a stupid rule on the NFL, but we could do a whole segment on that. But but still, this guy's a repeat offender, and I, I have a feeling that's why they came down so hard on him. 
So now they're minus Alan Branch. We don't know what's going on with Sheard. Uh, you know, we're next with this defense. I mean, I thought Van Noy did a good job finally and kind of s- seemed to find a place in that defense. But, I mean, their depth and their and their skill is is getting t- really tested here. Uh, and they're going up against the New York Jets, Bill, which not a great team, but still, as we saw against the 49ers, you still need somewhat of a defense out there. Well, here, here's you know who the best player in the Patriots defense is? It's, uh, Butler? it's Tom Brady. <laughs> Tom Brady. Good call. And here, Tom Brady scored 35 points and give up 20, 25, and win. So here, here's the issue. They really – what they – Look, based on last year, based on what we see from this team right now, home field advantage is of the utmost importance. And I'm talking for the playoffs. So uh, Kansas City, big loss for them. Uh, yep. You know, because they were uh, knocking at the door. Oakland's going to be interesting what happens there. I think that division is so tough that they – and I'm not even saying the AFC East is, a, is as bad as we probably thought it was. But no. I, 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 I probably look at Oakland – probably to lose four games. So Patriots stay three games, and, you know, maybe even if they – I think if they had four losses, depending on who they were, they'd still win the tiebreaker based on the conference record. But that's important. So I think what Belichick's looking long-term, get through these games. The schedule isn't tough. The Jets, though, are the Jets, uh, have given the Patriots problems uh, literally for years. Just going down there is never easy. Uh, but Brady's – Brady is playing as good, and that was part of my Sunday piece, as he's ever played. Uh, remember, he didn't have Gronk or Hogan this weekend. Both of them very important right now. Hogan just is, is their stretch guy. I will give Mitchell stepped up and played it well, but I, I think Hogan's probably the more consistent player. So, uh, And I expect Gronk probably to be back for the Jet game. Uh, but this offense, and look, it almost scored 31 points against Seattle. I mean, they were at the goal line there at the end. So it, it's not like Seattle shut their offense down. Uh, it's also had two turnovers and literally was a foot away from going 31 points. So, you, the, yeah, how are the Patriots going to go? Their defense right now is not good. I, I think Belichick would argue it's not as bad as we're all making it out to be. I'm not 100% sure I agree with them. But the best Patriots defense is Brady. And uh, just Brady on a roll. And right now he is on a roll. So I, I think that's how they're going to play it out here and probably tape, smoke and mirrors, and let's see if we can get this uh, defense to being almost as good as it was in 2014, which I don't think it can be. But I think you could argue this Patriots offense is going to be better than that was. So it's a trade-off. Uh, it's disappointing the way it's transpired. We thought this defense was going to be good. I thought it was going to be good, very good this year. And uh, it definitely is. You know, I, and I'm with you. I totally agree with your assessment there, Bill. I just worry when you play a team that does have a really solid defense, like they will against the Denver Broncos soon, uh, and Brady can't save them. You know what happens then? And I, and that's that's going to be a big problem in the playoffs because the defenses will get better in the playoffs. I just hope they get it together soon, man, because they don't have it together right now. And it's not it's not even just a skill thing, right? It's it's a mental thing. It's a it's a yep. discipline thing, and that. That's so un-Bill Belichick-like. Uh, you don't usually see that from a Bill Belichick coach defense. So that's what scares me right now is that uh, I won't say the, the inmates are running the asylum right now, but they're trying to, and, and it's, it's affecting yeah. the team as a whole. Yeah, I will tell you, 
the inmates will lose with the Patriots. Yeah, they're they not will. Running that asylum, they and will. They'll be gone, and he'll let a guy go. I mean, look, how can you fathom Collins? Let him letting Collins go. Ugh. Well, here's how you fathom it: He was going to undermine Belichick, and that is not good for what Belichick preaches, and it's not worth it. So yep. it has. You know, we we hear people say that, "Hey, I'll get rid of the best player." If it's going to hurt the team, well, I'm not saying he's the best player, but Belichick did just that. So uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting. I will say you mentioned Denver. Denver's defense is not the defense it was a year ago, um, and I I think in Brady Denver though, just, yeah. Hey, uh, but I still in, in, in they just have had a, a bad history in Denver. Uh, in fact, Brady has had a bad history in Denver. I've been there for like four. Yeah, of the me too. Um, so. I believe, though, I, I believe, though, this offense, when running, and Deion Lewis is back, didn't really mention him. Uh-huh. Uh, he's, he is, I don't, I don't want to say special, but he gives them something that, that uh, like sort of the Kevin Fox thing that they've been missing. And, and White's good, but White is different. White is, is more of a, how do I say it? Um, I, White is more of a hybrid running back, third down back, where Deion Lewis is sort of, there's really no definition for him. There, there aren't really a lot of guys like him. Mm-hmm. And uh, not even Danny, um, what's our name, our, our guy yeah. from a couple years ago. Danny. Uh, Woodhead. Uh, Woodhead. Woodhead. Yep. Uh, who, I, who I loved. And, and, you know, sort of that really not a lot like him. His quickness, Deion Lewis's quickness is special. And uh, I, I wouldn't overlook that and, I think I think he's going to try, and I'm, I've been against it because defense usually comes out in the playoffs. He's going to try to win it this year with an offense. It should be interesting, my friend. Always a pleasure. Great job on that series. Appreciate you Thank taking you. the time Friday and today, and uh, get some sleep if you can. All right. We'll be in touch. Thank you. All right, Bill Burt of the Lawrence Eagle Tribune joining us here on the Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire. We're going to continue to talk some football, bounce around the NFL with our Cole Wright of NFL Network. Joining us here as he does every Monday and Friday. So stay with us. We'll be back. In San Francisco. Missed a portion of the show? Go to ESPNNHradio.com and download the podcast now. Four, 220 pound golf. 
Pressure coming. Pass is caught. Inside the 30, down to 25 is Kenny Britt. And boy, did Jared Goff get rid of that football in a hurry. For Goff, who gives to Gurley. And a big hole for Todd Gurley toward the end zone. It's a touchdown, LA Rams. Ryan Tannehill for the end zone. Catch made. Touchdown, Dolphins. It's Devontae Parker. Palmer sets in. Pass picked off. Intercepted by Rhodes. Xavier Rhodes down the sideline and good by touchdown. Vikings, no flags. For Dallas, written back in. Touchdown, closing. Stretch run here on ESPN New Hampshire. Kirk Cousins called in and requested that song for uh, GM Scott McLaughlin of the Washington Redskins. You heard him there after the game last night. How you like me now? And, uh, How you like me now? There you go. How you like me now? And apparently a big heavy fan as well. So uh, great tune there by the heavy. And joining us right now. From NFL Network to discuss that and all things NFL is our man Cole Wright. Cole, Kirk Cousins uh, had no problem shoving it in his face, huh? I mean, Kirk Cousins, he, he's a man who, who knows what's what's in his hand. He, he knows the cards he's playing with right now, and I think he feels pretty good about them. You know, I, I don't think he's bluffing. I think he's all in. This guy, you know, he's, he's, he's an official type quarterback. You know, we've seen him do it before. He has to do it this year on the franchise tag, and he's going out there. And he says, "I'm going to earn this contract. I'm going to earn it, and I'm going to get it." What happens, you know, a- after this season? Who knows? You know, I think the guy could be a bummer. That's, I mean, he, he certainly has the heart of a champion. He has, a, he has a, that, that never say die attitude. He's got plenty of fight in him. You know, being a Chicago native, I'll, I'll tell you what, I take him on the Bears in in a, in a second. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Yeah. But you know, being a Michigan State guy, not not too far from Chicago, but. uh you know the Redskins have got they, they've got themselves one. You know they, they've got themselves a pretty nice. They really do, and that year. that team is getting better by the week, and uh, so is Cousins there, and good on him. Yeah, took some flack in the beginning of the season. What else about the Redskins right now uh, are you liking that tells you they they can definitely maybe or not definitely, but they could maybe challenge the Dallas Cowboys for this division? 
Well, I don't know if they're going to be able to challenge the Cowboys for the division, but they're going to make some serious noise to challenging the Giants for the wild card because mm-hmm. those two teams right now are the front runners. And, you know, the thing that could be the difference for Washington is my mind telling me no, <laughs> but my body. <laughs> R. Kelly. R. Kelly. There you go, could buddy. Be the big I difference. like that. <laughs> <laughs> he could be the big difference for Washington because we know in the NFC East, you know, it's going to get a little chilly. And it helps to run the ball. And last week on uh, Total Access Endgame on Monday nights, you know, I host with, with last week it was Eric Davis and, and Reggie Wayne and I Taylor. E- Eric took a page out of uh, John Snow's book. He said, winter is coming. And the Giants, they, they need to run the ball. That's, they don't run the ball extremely well. And when you don't run the ball well, when it gets a little cold out, it doesn't always look great for you and, and your postseason uh, uh, outlook. Yeah. So, you know, we'll see. If, if, the, if Washington can run the ball, and, and and Robert Kelly, Fat Rob, what they called him back in college, if he if he can run the ball like he has been, because three touchdowns yesterday, I think 136, 138 yards. I mean, come on now. Yeah, he's yeah. pretty solid. He's looking good, man. And the Redskins and Cowboys will do battle. The fans will chant, "We want Dallas and Washington last night," and they will battle. They in might want to pump the brakes a little yeah. bit after all. <laughs> Dallas nine and one. Yeah. And speaking of, like look, carried away. that looks like a complete trap game. If if there was going to be one game where, you know, you could say, ah, I could kind of understand Dallas maybe uh, coming off flat and losing that one. Uh, that was maybe it against Baltimore. And they didn't come out too strong. And Baltimore took the lead early. Uh, but then Dallas pulls away. And this team just seems uh, more battle ready every week, huh? Don't they ever? I mean, I'm telling you, this, this team right now, you know, I, I said, you know, I don't know, two weeks ago, maybe a week ago, that I think that the Patriots are the only team that could beat them. But having seen what I've seen right now, I think that's going to be a game. Where I think that if they were to play right now, it's whoever has the ball last. Yeah, you know that that's that's really how it would go. And you know, I would I would I would have firm belief whichever team had the ball last could win that game because and not saying that Dak Prescott is Tom Brady or Tom Brady esque yet or right now, but geez, man. This guy, the way he's, this cat's been playing, I'll tell you what. Even if things don't go right from the very onset, you know this guy has has just has that way to you know to, to cultivate and, and manipulate the situation of the game and and just say it, it's, it's all right and wrangle in those nerves. And it, it's a little bit easier when you have a guy like Ezekiel running the ball out of the backfield. But I mean, you've got Jason Witten, you've got Cole Beasley, you've got Des Bryant. I mean, talk about an arsenal. Yeah. I mean that Cowboys team. You know Tony Romo. You know I. I Tipping my cap to him, you know. I know he wants to be playing right now, but I think that the 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 youth and the energy that Dak brings to the position, this guy's and you know it's we we were doing uh, inside training camp live, you know, on NFL Network. You know, we had did four hour chunks, and I remember it during training camp, you know, specifically focused on on the Cowboys. And the one thing with Dak Prescott was when he was you know looking to be elevated into the backup role at that point, Murph. The one thing he said. He, he told the media, he said, Tony Romo wins, I win. And I said, that's all I need to hear from that cat. Yeah. I mean, he, he didn't really need to say a whole bunch more. No. Here's why I win. He didn't elaborate. No. He just said, Tony Romo wins, I win. He gave, you know, he, he paid his respect to him, but he also let everybody know what's coming down the pipe. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Dak Prescott, and I'm a winner. I hope you like it because you better get used to it. I love it. I love it. And this kid is definitely poised for sure. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings got off the schneid finally with a, uh, a kind of a back-and-forth tight game there with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, the Cardinals yeah. now 4-5-1. and one. Uh, For a team that people, a lot of people had going to the Super Bowl. Me. 
Yeah, that would be me. They, uh, me too, my friend. Uh, they might not even make the playoffs. That, that's Man, that's how bad it's gotten. And, uh, you know, the other way, the Vikings, I think, really needed that win um, because they were starting to look like maybe they were pretenders as well. But let's stay with the Cardinals right now. I mean, th- there's a serious chance a Super Bowl favorite doesn't make the playoffs. That, that's not good. It's not great at all, you know, especially when you made some improvements. I mean, you inherit – 12 and a half sacks on that already potent defense with Chandler Jones that, you know, you got from New England. And that, that just, it on paper, it, it makes that defense look that much tougher. I think, you know, it could have been, I, I don't know if you watched the All or Nothing special on Amazon Prime. No, with, uh, the I, Arizona Cardinals, I heard it was great, though. You know, it was excellent. Yeah. And I think, like, having that inside look at that team, so up close and personal, even after the season, and they were so good, you think there's no way they can't do that again this year. And I think sometimes in the NFL, it, it's it's hard to bottle that up and, and recreate and reproduce that. And yep. I think Bruce Arians, you know, hopefully everything is, with him health-wise yeah, is all right right now. back in a hospital because, right you know, now. Chest pain. Exactly. Admitted to the hospital earlier today with chest pain. So, you know, best wishes to him. I'm, you know, I'm sure there's there's multiple websites you can jump on and check out the latest on, on Bruce Arians. But, yeah. you know, it's it, it just seems as if this year they just don't have it. I don't know if it's. Carson Palmer being a year older, Larry Fitzgerald being a year older, everyone else on that team being a year older because there's, it's a blend of, of old guys and young guys. Yeah. And I think sometimes when, when the young guy, guys see the older guys starting to fall off, sometimes the sense of direction gets lost. Yep. You know, sometimes those leaders are more worried about you know what's going on with them personally as opposed to leading the team. And not saying that's what's going on with Carson Palmer right now, Mark, but that, that could be a case. You know, He's trying to fix his game right now. So he can fix the team, mm. and sometimes you know those aren't the you don't want a guy leading when he's trying to you know to get something fixed. Yep, I'm with you, my man. And staying in that division in the West there in the NFC, uh, the Seahawks with another win, and that's another team you you look at. Look, they had two straight big wins on the road in New England. There, uh, you know they they gotten that win off a short week, and you could see maybe they come in and they they lay an egg against the Eagles. That would have been something else. Where I said, oh, you know what happens, but. The Seahawks are rolling now. This is a team to reckon with. I mean, they're arguably the best team in the NFC. You know, Murph, I really think that, you know, over the stretch of time, you know, however long it spans in New England that that the Patriots, you know, play with those dynastic proportions. But I I think what what we're seeing in Seattle is is a New England light NFC style. I I think that that that's the team that year in and year out, no matter what, when all the dust settles – at the end of 16 games, when every team has played their entire schedule, that's a squad that's always going to be there. And as long as Russell Wilson is the quarterback and as long as Pete Carroll's the head coach, there's some tough outs. Yeah. And you're going to have to watch yourself around those guys because they, 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 can, they can derail your Vince Lombardi aspirations. And yeah. you know, Russell Wilson already has one. You know, he, he's been to one and lost one, so he's been to two. And, you know, that's the thing. That guy, he, the last one he went to, he lost. So he knows what it's like to win. And his most recent memory of a Super Bowl is him losing on a play that had so many question marks surrounding it. Mm-hmm. So you, you know that right now Russell Wilson is playing, and he's, he's, he's back to health. So he's playing with, with, a, with a large chip on his shoulder. And, you know, I, I, there's been so many times before, even was, was it last year when, when Carolina went up on them big time in the playoff game? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, and my dad, his cable went out. Bad weather in Chicago, so he was calling me for updates. And I was telling him, <laughs> "Oh man, it's just, I think it was twenty-seven to nothing at that point." 
27 to nothing or, or 28 to nothing. They went up big. And I'm telling him, uh, I said, hey, Pops, I said, he's like, that game's over. I said, man, no game is ever over when Russell Wilson is on the field. Yeah. I believe that, that, that he's that kind of gamer. He's that kind of X factor. And I, I think that, that Seattle Seahawks coming out of the NFC, that, that's a tough team. But I also said, like I said before, Murph, watch out for the Giants, man. Yeah. Watch out for the Giants. Yep. And they uh, they looked a little shaky yesterday, but they come away with the win. And that's all that counts when you come down to it. And, and they're on a roll right now. They have to run. They have to run the ball, though. But for some reason, I, I just see that they're that weird team that they, they defy odds sometimes. They might, they might not have a run game, and they might win you know the, the remainder of their games by a combined nine points. But somehow, some way, like that's the team you just have to watch out for. Like they're they're that cat who's at the party, and you're just always at, at every single party, and you're like, "How'd they get in here? Like, how, how did that guy get in here in gym shoes? Like I, I had to wear dress shoes. Like how'd this guy get in? Like his gym shoes aren't even clean. How'd he get in?" <laughs> it's true. That is the New York Giants. Hey, uh, speaking of getting in, he got into his first game yesterday, and that's Jared Goff. Uh, your thoughts on his performance there? I saw a stat heading in, uh, Cole, that said that out of the last 18 quarterbacks to go number one overall, uh, only three of them had won in their first NFL game, and, and that streak uh, extended there. Uh, your thoughts on Jared Goff? You know, he was close. So close. You know, yeah. and I, I wanted to see the Rams get that win because I feel, you know, in, in the over the long haul, this Rams team has a lot more potential than the Miami Dolphins. I mean, at so many more positions than one. I mean, you take a look at the quarterback position, I, you know, for, for a five-year plan, I would take Jared Goff over Ryan Tannehill, clearly. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, he, he's, he, he brings a lot more to the table than people think. You know, I think him being a rookie and being on hard knocks and people seeing that, you know, with Arizona Cardinals, like there was that all-or-nothing mm-hmm. program effect. Yeah. I think there's the hard knocks effect, like – we see things about Jared Goff that you don't get to see about other rookie quarterbacks. Maybe Carson Wentz had some of those same moments. Yeah. But he started since day one of the season, so we didn't get to see all those. And plus, he didn't have a camera following him around. Like, I don't know if it was all the same. You know, Carson Wentz clearly a different kind of kid. But still, I think that Jared Goff, man, I think, you know, I would have liked to see him get the win because, like I said, I think the Rams are a team with a lot more upside than the Dolphins. Uh-huh. I think they have a lot, a lot more on their horizon. It, it just, it really depends on the way he plays. And I think if if he can get protection, then, then the sky's the limit. Because when you have a guy like Todd Gurley running in the backfield, and then it allows you to do a few other things. I think they need a, more, a few more receiving weapons. That's clear. I don't think Tavon Austin is going to be your guy. Right. You know, your, your go-to wide out. I mean, he's 5'7", for goodness sakes. I mean, you're <laughs> going to have to have someone bigger. I know he can he can outrun the win, but that, that's going to be a problem at some time. You're going to have, have a big guy, you know, a safety blanket. So once he once the Rams get that, which I, I think it, it's going to come along, I think they'll be all right. But I think that that Jared Goff, I, I think that he's better than a lot of people think. Yeah. I mean, we saw that pocket presence. You know, he was able to get skinny, you know, move up in the pocket, you know, elude some of that pressure and do some of the things that it's tough. He didn't throw an interception. No. So, against against a, a Dolphins defense that's just eight quarterbacks alive in the last uh, five weeks, yeah. right? So, I mean. Yeah, absolutely. They've been he, knocking him out left and right. Yeah, he came out of there healthy. That's one plus. So, uh, good for him. Hey, listen, my friend, always a pleasure. You keep up the great work, and uh, I'm going to go to a party and look for that guy with the dirty sneakers. 
I'm telling you, it's the New York Giants. I'll bet you'll have a Giants hat on. It'll be, it won't even fit right. It'll be all like rumpled and look like he got it out of a hamper. Be one of those old, uh, th- those old beat up game hats we used to wear back in the uh, late eighties. Yeah, it'll be, 90s, it'll be right? corduroy. Yeah, one of those corduroy ones. Oh yeah. <laughs> Now we're talking, buddy. Now we're talking. I'll, I'll give him my stay, mullet, too. Hey, buddy, stay, always a pleasure. Stay, stay up late tonight. Watch Total Access Endgame. Right we at, will, uh, of course. At 11.30. And, right uh, after, who's, after, after the game. Who's with you tonight? Me, Mike Robinson, Ike Taylor, and Reggie Wayne. Awesome, man. That's a, a ni- that's a nice panel, my friend. Enjoy it, and we will enjoy that will as do. well. We'll talk to you soon, Cole. Always Have a, a good one. Cole Wright, NFL Network, joining us here on the Stretch Run on ESPN New Hampshire. We'll send you out with a little more Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. And when we get back, we're going to talk some Bruins hockey with Mick Collagio and New Bedford Standard Time. Stay with us. Jimmy Murphy. Stay tuned for the right time with Bomani Jones, only here on ESPN New Hampshire Radio. The Trinity High School Football Foundation is proud to sponsor the broadcast of the annual Thanksgiving Day Manchester Turkey Bowl game on ESPN New Hampshire Radio. This year's game features the Trinity Pioneers against the Manchester Central Little Green. The Trinity High School Football Foundation was created to provide the Trinity football program with the necessary financial assistance to ensure that current and future Trinity football players have the required resources to achieve safety and success. Happy Thanksgiving from the Trinity High School Football Foundation at Trinity High School in Manchester, New Hampshire. Your business in search of commercial property. Garrison Glen Corporate Park, located in Exeter, New Hampshire, is a highly desirable suburban business park located just 10 minutes from Portsmouth. There are four lots remaining, ranging in size from approximately 10 to 20 acres. That's Garrison Glen Corporate Park in Exeter. Don't let this opportunity slip away. For more information and other property listings, visit CushmanandWakefield.com. CushmanandWakefield.com. The money-saving tip. Coming at you with another money-making tip. How to save money effectively. Tired of overpaying for stuff? Then head to ESPNNHradio.com and check out the ESPN New Hampshire deals page. 
You can save up to 50% on deals from all your favorite local businesses and restaurants. Why pay full price when gift cards and gift certificates are only a few clicks away? So start saving now by going to ESPNNHradio.com and checking out the new ESPN New Hampshire deals page. You're welcome. Hi, I'm Liz. Welcome to Lowell Jewelry and Loan. The economy is pretty rough right now, and if you're looking for a short-term loan, banks aren't making it any easier. Sometimes it can take up to 60 days to get approved. That's crazy. We truly are in the business to lend money and put cash in your hands instantly. Bring in any item and we'll give you cash. We also give you four months before making your first payment. Call or come see us today. Our reputation is impeccable. Lowell Jewelry and Loan on Merrimack Street. Is your business in search of commercial property? Garrison Glen Corporate Park, located in Exeter, New Hampshire, is a highly desirable suburban business park located just 10 minutes from Portsmouth. There are four lots remaining, ranging in size from approximately 10 to 20 acres. That's Garrison Glen Corporate Park in Exeter. Don't let this opportunity slip away. For more information and other property listings, visit CushmanandWakefield.com. CushmanandWakefield.com. With six New Hampshire locations, Apple Therapy's comprehensive orthopedic rehabilitation clinics offer convenient access to a wide variety of services. Apple Therapy uses the latest technology and treatment techniques such as trigger point dry needling, active release techniques, running gate video analysis, and Graston technique. Plus, they are networked to most providers and all insurance companies. Apple Therapy is located in Amherst, Bedford, Manchester, Nashua, Londonderry, and Executive Health Club. For more information and access to their video library, visit AppleTherapy.com. Talking Boxing with Billy C. Every Saturday morning from 4 to 6. Here's my thoughts to WBC, who likes to parade around and act like they are the sport of boxing. They like to, to promote their belt as the belt to have. And for the most part, a lot of fighters follow that thought process. I think Canelo Alvarez would be in a position to really put some egg on the face of the WBC. On the home for boxing fans, ESPN New Hampshire. This is the Sports Station with Granite Roots. This is ESPN New Hampshire, streaming live on ESPNNHradio.com. Woo! Get all the little babies out tonight. Y'all having fun? Run here in ESPN New Hampshire. I'm your host, Jimmy Murphy, Justin Sullivan, working the boards, doing a great job as always. And we celebrate the music of Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings. Passed away on Friday. Great, great musician. And we're going to uh, celebrate some great hockey uh, coming out of TD Garden on Saturday. I mean, 
As I said at the top of the show, this was a type of game that had loss written all over it, coming back from a successful road trip. Uh, usually the first games back are, are tough. Teams are usually flat. Going up against an upstart Winnipeg Jets team and uh, Rookie of the Year candidate and Patrick Lane. But the Bruins come through again with a 4-1 victory. And on to talk about that and all things Bruins with us right now is Mick Collagio New Bedford Standard Times. Mick, how are you? Hey, Jimmy. How are you? I'm not bad. you ever listen to Sharon Jones and the Dap Kings? I, I'm going to take a wild guess and say that I've uh, probably seen them on Later with Jules. Oh, there you go. Nice. Yeah. It's a great show, huh? It's an awesome show. Gets great musicians in that. Yeah, she was something else. I was telling the listeners earlier how uh, she started her music career at a late age, at the age of 40, after being a prison guard. And uh, But she went from us too soon. She died on Friday at the age of 60. But yeah, she's a great, great live act right up Sully's alley here. He's uh, into horns. Uh, and she had a great horn section. I'm sure you would like them as well. But uh, hey, what can we say about the Boston Bruins right now, Mick? I mean... You got to give credit where it's due, and I thought that was a really gutsy win the other day. Like I said, in a game that you know you'd almost understand if they came out a little flattened. Yeah, expect it, and you're always mad when you see it. Yeah, even though you know <laughs> it's, it's totally coming. Expected. Yeah, the trap game. Yep. Yeah, and instead, um, you know, Winnipeg played kind of like that was them. Yes, you know, I mean they, they kind of took on that role. I thought they were pretty lousy. Uh, you know, I just. Um, I just didn't see the panache in their in their game. They didn't they didn't play with as KPD used to like to say with jam. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Bruins, it was it was you know the Bruins are comfortable getting into their game and doing what they do. And the other guys didn't stand up, and the Bruins wound up with a nice easy home win. Uh, shame to see Tuka lose the shutout, but it wasn't one that he had to fight hard for. He had one brilliant second period save. Um, yep, I remember he stuck that. the leg out on a combination play where there was a tip in front and a hard shot and uh, redirect and you know, but that, but it was nice to see him get an easy night. That's probably the more important thing. Yeah, that's a great point by you. And and I think the last time we spoke there, we were talking about the success he's having, but also the tendency a team will have. And I think you're seeing a little of that in Montreal right now with the Canadians. They're sort of in a funk there where you can have a goalie on a roll like Tuka Rask or, say, Carey Price, and, and sometimes it almost becomes uh, too much of a luxury for the, for the team in front of them where they're like, oh, you know what, if I miss that that play there, I goof up, you know, Tuka's going to save me. No big deal. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I didn't see that a lot from the Bruins. I see them actually, they're taking care, each player's taking care of his own job. They're doing it as a unit. And then if need be, Tuka's coming up with the save. And that's going to be really pleasing to Claude Julian right now, especially with some of the youngsters on this team. That's what they need. I mean, this is what they got to get from him, especially early in the season as they go through the, the 20-game segments where they figure out this guy is going to be on our team for a long term, this guy we need to move on from. Who knows where this bubble leads for guys like Joe Morrow, who has incidentally put together uh, his most meaningful hockey uh, in recent games. It's, since he got back in the lineup this last time here, he looks like he has. he's playing with a purpose. It seems like he's got like that. Well, he's playing uh, for a job. <laughs> That's... Well, yeah, Brandon Carlo, for instance, here's a, here's a kid who, yeah, he gets to play with Shara. Yeah, he's got um, some gifts. He's got a long reach. He can skate. Uh, but he has a certain nose for 
the game and an instinct to, uh, you know, in a willingness to act on that instinct. Whereas Morrow found himself uh, questioning almost every touch he made on the puck and every decision. He looked like a guy who couldn't decide whether or not he was doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that these last few games. He looked to me like a guy who who is uh, saying, you know what, screw it. I'm going out there. I'm going to play hockey, and I'm I'm still going to stop listening to anybody or anything and just get out there and do it. And and um, and this guy's starting to live up to that talent now. And if that's real, the real him, and he can catch. Uh, catch fire here and make this new mindset stick, then I think they've got themselves another player, which is huge for them right now. And what do they do now with Kevin Miller coming back? How does that all play out then, you think? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right? No, I know. You know, it's funny. It's not a bad problem to have, but... (laughs) It'd be nice for them to have the luxury to work their way back, work his way back in, um, you know, slowly. I mean, uh, Carlo has given them... At least for now, uh, there seems to be no doubt that Carlo has a long-term future with the Bruins. There has been very good fortune with him helping Z solidify the first pairing. Um, You know, their vet-rookie combo, which the Bruins have been so fond of over the decades, um, uh, with the number one guy with the entry-level kid. And you've you've seen it many times. And and this... this, uh, if Carlo can can stay the course, it's a long season. Then um, then then you, then the Miller question becomes a real question. Yeah, and I'm just seeing the news actually. Sorry, it's a little distracted there. I don't know if you heard about uh, former Bruin Craig Cunningham. Uh, yeah, now that in the was Arizona a terrible, organization. terrible uh, development. Um, yeah, and, and still today's update critical but stable and and no um, explanation still as to Why what exactly collapsed. happened that I've been able to find. Yeah, he collapsed on the ice prior to a game uh, against the Manitoba Moose, and uh, but he's like you said in critical, stable condition. Our best to him. Um, you know, speaking of prospects and guys in the minors coming up, I kind of you know it's interesting we talk about more right now and that and because. You know, you looked at this team coming into the season, and I maybe felt like this would be that point where maybe okay, a guy like Morrow is sent down, or another guy is, and and maybe we get we get some looks at at some of the younger players again. But uh, you know, they have to be happy with the way things are gone, all things considered. I still don't think it's a uh, a playoff contending defense, but it's very close. It, it's it's holding its own. It's it's staying above water. Um, you're Cole Julian right now. How do you, like we said, how do we handle? I mean, are you Don Sweeney? Are you still looking outside? Or are you kind of pulling back the reins from maybe looking for outside help? No, I think he's always looking. I yeah. think he's. I think the thing is, is that he's just not going to bite. He's not going to make a bad trade in order to try to get a quick fix. Because, and I think I'm assuming this is their estimation because they haven't done anything with the market being what it is. But everybody wants the world for a guy who's, you know, who's got flaws. And and uh, why should they do that when they can try to stay the course and try to be patient? They've they've missed two playoffs here this way. Um, they have reason to believe that this group should be better than it was. The same developing players would be that much further along in their careers, so that they could be more consistent and 
you know, the thing that comes with experience is consistency, especially for NHL defensemen. And, um, and they, you know, are starting to see more of that. Um, Colin Miller is more serviceable, but he had one, you know, really, uh, you know, horrific uh, little stretch there. And, and, and he comes out and, and Morrow goes in and, and now Morrow seems to be playing with some fit passion that we hadn't really seen before. And, and who knows how long, uh, you know, they, this is what these guys need to decide. They're at those crossroads ages there where they are either going to become regulars and, and catch catch a stride here and run with it, or they're going to uh, solidify a legacy of being enigmatic and unreliable, which is really just uh, a bad place for a guy in his mid-20s to be as an NHL defenseman. Yeah, and especially Morrow, too, right? Because, I mean, he's been traded, what, twice already in his young career? Yeah, and you know what? Uh, th- those trades are pretty early. And, uh, they and that's be not on him, personally. right? I mean, yeah, I don't want to think it that way. I mean, of course, you don't but, know somebody well to know him off the ice and everything. Right. And you can, I'm only judging by, by um, you know, how he plays. Oh, and, I'm totally with and, you. And, uh, and he seems like a great guy off the ice. He's a very sociable guy. Um, you know, I don't know if they think that maybe he should, you know, when a guy mopes, they say you shouldn't mope. If a guy, you know, seems to... Seems happy. I wonder if they're wondering if he should mope more. But he's not a moper. You know, he's, uh, but the engaging interview he did with with Dupes, um that I was just reading, and and uh, you know he's he's a guy who understands where he is in his career, and he seems like he right. wants to make the next step. Um, why wouldn't he? You know, I mean, it's 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 crunch time for a guy like him. Uh, either he's going to live up to the name, or he's going to. Um, Become the oh yeah he's got he's the wrong Morrow we got the wrong Morrow we got the wrong Subban we got the wrong yeah. <laughs> Nash we got the wrong you know it sounds like the Devils used to make that joke when they had uh, a few different guys they had Rocky Trotchier yeah yeah <laughs> and they I'm had with you. the Paul Broughton and um, you know it's, so the, this is up to him and and uh, he's got ability he's, he's he can play he can skate he can play he's a strong kid. Uh, time for him to be an NHLer, and, and, and we're seeing it right now. It'd be great if he could keep it up. Finally, uh, Mick, uh, you know, there's a, a lot of belief around the NHL, both with management, coaches, media, that when the American Thanksgiving hits, the teams that are in playoff contention then are going to be the teams that are in playoff contention at the end, and not much will change. And, I mean, last year, yes, of course, we saw Pittsburgh change completely and go on to win the Stanley Cup, and Anaheim turned it around, and made the playoffs, but it's it's really held true since the uh, 2003-04 lockout. That has been the case. Well, you know, the Boston Bruins are third in the Atlantic Division, so uh, that's going to be a good sign for them right now. Weren't they in the playoffs last, last Thanksgiving, though? I don't think so. I think they were out, and then they got back into it right after Christmas, and they went on like that tear in the, the dog yeah. days, and then they just okay. collapsed at the trade deadline. Well, we know we know that the last two years um, uh, they were in great position, um, not you know around the back stretch and then yep. the home stretch was very unkind. We like uh, to call it the stretch run here. The, the Hamburglar <laughs> did it. The Hamburglar provided the anomaly in '15, and yes. uh, and the Ghost uh, you know keyed Philadelphia to a run last year, and so um, the key is not to be on that bubble. You know, mm. it's, but I mean, if you're if you're on that bubble and it's a point here, a point there. My thing is, I've always said, win 42 games and you have you can you can expect to make the playoffs. 
If you don't win more than half your games, don't expect to make the playoffs. Well, the Bruins, for the first time ever, won 42 games and missed the playoffs. Yeah. So even that, even that has its anomalies, you know, in this in this must uh, every game must have a winner era. Yeah. Uh, the shootout came. The along. thing is, too, Mick, you look at the standings. The East is so much better and competitive this season than the last few. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I didn't really buy into all that. West is best uh, business. There These we go. I'm dynamic, with you. and they change. And yeah, that division was really good for a little while with the Blackhawks and the, and you know, and everybody else. Yep. Uh, you know, it was looking pretty pretty solid. Uh, but these things change in a, in a hurry, and the East was a little undersold, in my opinion. It's just some teams have some years where they're not quite as good as they should be. Certain teams that have an awful lot of strength, and and then they get some fix, and next thing you know, everything's working for them. Yeah, look at the Columbus Blue Jackets right now. That's a perfect there example. There you go. Is a team that wound up making a coaching change because of how bad they started. And the whole year was thrown out the window, and now nothing expected of them. Well, where was? Why were they going to be so good? Did that much change? Yeah, I know they traded uh, Jones in a deal for Johansson, but you know, I mean, but that's a big trade. But that's not like uh, they got a bad player; they got a really good player. So exactly, um, and they've drafted. I'm looking at a team like them and saying that a Boone Jenner is kind of low in the stats right now and low in the depth chart. Then, uh, then they must be doing pretty well. Exactly. I hear you. Listen, Mick, you're always doing well, my my friend. We appreciate you coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you down the line. My pleasure. Happy birthday, Jimmy Hayes. All right. There we go. <laughs> you're probably the only Bruins person in Boston saying that. Good for you. Happy birthday, Jimmy Hayes, uh, from the stretch run as well. And uh, we will be back here on ESPN New Hampshire to talk some Celtics with Chris Forsberg of ESPN Boston. So stay with us. Until the hand. 